0: Can I tell you guys a random story that has nothing to do with this podcast right now? Sure. So I was break the ice. I have Trish. I have an eight year old, a three year old and a 10 month old and I'm getting dressed and I have on a bra and my underwear and I have on a thong and my three year old walks in and he's like, so mom, why is your underwear in your booty? He would not let it go. Like he's like, I just don't understand. I'm like, well, that's how my underwear is. And he's like, but mommy, it's inside of your butt. It's like (laughs) we are wives.
1: Entrepreneurs, entertainers, executives, and at the end of the day, we are all
0: moms, all at the same time and never in the same order. (laughs) This is. Hi, my name is Mom, a podcast about motherhood. Here are your hosts, Jen, Corey, and Kayla. Well, Radley, when I first started nursing Sebastian, was like, "Mom, um, Bash is eating from your boob," (laughs) and he was like, "I didn't know." Like he was. Telling me like, I didn't know what was happening. Hello. Mom, I don't want to alarm you. But the other thing my nephew did to my sister when she got out of the shower naked, when Hello. he was right around the same age, she was like towelling off. And he, and like bent over to like um, dry off her legs. And he pushes her butt cheeks apart and goes, mom, what is up there?
2: <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Oh my They
1: make you feel so beautiful, right?
3: Oh, I love
0: it. Oh my That's gosh. That's so wonderful. Oh yeah. No, that I love my son
1: now. My six-year-old will like, touch me and go you're squishy mommy and I'm like oh thanks thanks a lot
0: much the honesty
3: okay so today we have with us Trish Ware who is a labor delivery nurse and mom of seven seven guys who is obsessed with empowering women with all the tools they need to get through pregnancy and delivery and the postpartum experience thanks for joining us
1: So, yeah, so I am a labor and delivery nurse. I've been a high-risk labor and delivery nurse for a long time. And a few years ago, I decided to start the blog not knowing at all anything about that world. But it was very, like you said, passionate about empowering women. I was really tired of seeing women's rights uh, infringed upon, Um, but just watching women decisions being made for them and not with them. Big decisions, like going back to the OR for a cesarean when it's not necessarily um, the best for them, but maybe- Uh, We have seven
0: C-sections sitting here between the two of them. So
2: I didn't have a C-section. I just have a ripped up (laughs) (laughs) hoo-ha. Just a vaginal surgery. (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah. So I just got, I, I would leave work feeling so discouraged. So I started the blog in 2017 and started teaching on the blog. It took off because I realized women were hungry to be empowered, but I wasn't getting that like Feedback because I really like to connect with women. And so I started teaching on Instagram and it just took off. And um,
0: I follow you mm-hmm. at yeah. labor.nurse.mama, right? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, everyone listening needs to go follow her because she's just always imparting awesome advice and encouragement that everyone needs to hear and you don't necessarily get from your OBGYN.
1: You offer
3: online, like virtual coaching for moms and moms to be, right?
2: I
1: have two birth courses. One is just a general birth course. And then the other is actually for moms who have had cesareans who want to have a um, vaginal delivery. And I started that one because I was getting hundreds of DMs daily of women who were traumatized by their birth. But the majority of the ones that I was seeing with the most trauma were women who had had cesareans and they would say just enough for me to realize that it may not have been necessary. And so I just really became like passionate about teaching women who had not had children, how to change their mindset about birth so that instead of fearing it because we fear what we don't know about
3: we fear oh, the yeah well,
0: i mean all the baby stuff where get you know i mean you're once, so excited to
3: get pregnant yeah right? and then you're
0: mm-hmm. like oh the bump is growing oh i feel the baby kicking and all of that can be really positive positive. and then it's like oh shit i gotta get this out of <laughs> here it's right. Yes. Us. One way
3: or another. I, I really wish I had had you in my life after I had Ava because I had to have a C-section with my first, but with my second, I went into labor naturally. My water broke. I was ready to go. And people say, why didn't you have him vaginally? A VBAC. And the answer is, I don't know. I truly don't know because that's what my doctors told me. I don't know. I wish I'd had one of you in my corner back then.
1: Well, and the sad thing is, is that ACOG, which kind of governs this realm, uh, they say that 90% of women who have had a cesarean are candidates for a vaginal delivery. But yet the the vibe that's out there is that's the riskier choice to choose to have a vaginal delivery. And like you said, a lot of women just don't even know. that they can. And I I find that all the time with a lot of my students, they start following me because like you said, they're excited to be pregnant and they want to go through all that. And then they see like little tidbits of facts and the facts and the stats support a vaginal delivery after cesarean. In fact, if you are a candidate, which like I said, 90% of women are, then it is safer to choose a vaginal delivery than a cesarean, which is like a no-brainer. Our body and was greater to surgery. do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the main, uh, I guess, roadblock to women embracing our power and that, like I tell my students all the time, you didn't have to tell your body to start the heart beating at four to five weeks. Your body does it. So we have to learn to change our mindset so that we don't get in our own way. And that we know we hired the birth professional, you hired the doctor, you hired me, you hired the hospital and that yes, for
0: you, right? Right, right. Oh, true. And that's not how it feels most of the time. No, it doesn't. And you
1: feel what I've really come to realize is that most women I've always been outspoken and, and. Kind of bold in that department uh, as far as speaking up to providers. But most women feel like they're doing something wrong if they question their provider.
0: I would love someone to listen to this episode and then just march in there and be like, hi, I'm the boss of you. And this is how this is going to go. Right. Because (laughs) we do. We hire them.
3: And people like us who have loud voices, literally and figuratively, I feel like it's our job to impart that on other women so that women mm-hmm. realize that the information they're getting from their provider is, in fact, opinion. And they're allowed right. to say, are Preference. you sure, right?
2: You know, yeah. I feel like we went through that when we were talking about um, birth plans and yeah. writing out your, like, giving a printed copy of your birth plan to your labor and delivery team when you go. Yeah. Um, I. I've heard horror stories where like nurses roll their eyes when they get handed these oh. plans and stuff. And I know I, I had one and very few of the things on my checklist were, actually went, the actually way supposed went to go. through. Some of that's probably just like and, actual delivery in and life. And I told right? every nurse, I said, I, I know these are preferences, you know, health and safety is like first and foremost, but I'm really passionate about these preferences. And I mean, they didn't all happen. And I I had like a couple nurses that were really sweet and like went over them. And then some were like, oh, yeah, this is your first one. Like it was oh, just that's very sort of like reading. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's
1: so frustrating because I'm on the other side sitting at the desk hearing these nurses come back and like, oh, another one with a birth plan. Might as well get her cesarean papers out. And I want to turn around and I'm sure say, that happened with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to turn around and say, okay, why don't we just go in and work, uh, get her up, get her moving, help her, encourage her. Don't bring negativity into her room because negativity is proven to create more tension and fear and more tension and fear increases your pain. You know, all the things we do to you, we get you right. When you get there, we put you to bed and we stop your movement right yeah you know
2: so oh my so God. Count, yeah. i love that you said about negativity because i i had a sign i don't know if i told you guys this john laughed at me where i had a sign and i taped it to like the little desk that had the computer on it and i said leave your bad attitudes at the door thing nice <laughs> i love
0: that i'm,
2: yes, I'm such that. a positive person and yeah. he's like you did yeah. not and he's like that's so you
0: should have asked I mean, them to wear sparkly scrubs <laughs>
2: no i had you my sparkly <laughs> shoes but i cuz i'm a positive person and so like mm. with And then every time a new doctor would come in, they'd be like, what are you allergic to? And I'd say, bad attitudes. I
3: love it. I know that a big part of your course is about a healthy mindset in pregnancy Mm -hmm. and in delivery and postpartum. Can you tell us a little bit about how you think that changes and shapes a woman's journey?
1: Well, I think in all areas of life, mindset is key because we tend to manifest what we think. And so the very first thing I work on with my girls is what they're thinking, what story are they telling themselves. And so I do do weekly coaching with all of my students. One of the things I have them do is write out their birth narrative. The best case, like cuz a lot of women are like, well, like even you guys said, I know it's just a preference and but I have them write out best case and then we figure out what are the steps to get there because Knowledge is power, number one. If they understand like their body and the physiological side, then they're going to be more apt to believe that they're powerful, that they're capable, that they're birth queens, that they can do it. Birth queen. I, I love yeah, that. It always floors me, but I always ask women, like, what is the one thing that you have to have in a birth suite for a birth to happen? And they're like, support, a provider, this. No, it's you. Yeah, without a pregnant mom, it won't happen. So I try to get them to start believing in the power of their body, believing that they are in control, that they can set boundaries around their birth. I really, truly believe they don't need negativity in there. So if they have a doctor who's condescending, who, you know, when they hand, I have them give the birth plan earlier in pregnancy to the provider and watch their reaction. How do they react to it? Are they negative? Do they laugh it off? Do they make you feel stupid? If so, fire them, get a new doctor. And I've had lots of my students do that right before delivery. Same goes with the nurse. If she rolls her eyes and makes like a sarcastic comment, then you need to figure out, do you really want her to be a part of your birth story? And so mindset, what you think really can be manifested. So if you believe that you're not capable, if you start thinking doubts, like my my pelvis is too small or my baby's too big or all of these things, when you go in and you have a negative nurse or you have a nurse, you know, or a provider, you're gonna be more apt to do whatever they say, not realizing, like you said, that it could just be a personal preference. We are taught as women that birth can't happen without a medical intervention. That's not true. It's it's a natural process. You want us there in case of an emergency. That's when you need us. But that's what an intervention is to intervene if it's needed. So I teach my girls to believe that they have a right to say no if they're told to get on their back and put their legs in stirrups. I mean, can you imagine telling someone who's constipated Oh, I have a good solution. Lay Stay on your back, your put back. your legs
2: in the air, and mm. now push. Like, it doesn't make sense my, physically. It sounds awful, actually. My cousin, yes. they had her sit on a stool and, like, hold something, and then they put her feet up. It, you know those, like… Like a duty stool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and she said she did that with her third, and she said it was by far the easiest childbirth that she's ever had. She's like, yeah. I don't know why I was on my back on the other ones. And I have a picture of her. It's really… It's like, it's a beautiful picture. That's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's such a beautiful picture. And she goes, it was the easiest, like. Let gravity do the work. Yeah. My dad right. has been telling yeah.
0: people about those for a billion years. I mean, delivering a different kind of child. Right. <laughs> but you literally it when
2: you're giving birth. <laughs> like you're pushing <laughs> right. the same thing. Yeah. It's not like, like the squatty potty. That's exactly it. That's, for, exactly it. Delivery, that's yeah, it. for babies. The, it just
1: doesn't make sense. Oh, it just gets me so like fired up. I ask my girls in the VBAC lab that that's the VBAC course, whenever they share their story, because I always have them the first time they come on share their story. And they'll say, you know, Oh, I was uh, pushing and the baby's heart rate went down. Well, did they get you? How were you pushing on my back? Or, you know, I was pushing for hours and baby wasn't moving. How many pushing positions did they try on my back? And physiologically, if we just get up into a gravity assisted position, our pelvis opens by 28 to 30%. Wow. So I don't understand.
0: Did you know all of this before being a mom of seven children, or did you figure this out along your own journey? So I was
1: very fortunate that I was born into a family that believes in, um, your birth capabilities, breastfeeding, like there was no question, like you're going to have a vaginal delivery. You're going to breastfeed. Like, and I was just taught that, you know, in the power of my body. So I was very fortunate in that when I became a labor nurse, I went into it thinking everybody knows that. Right. And I watched as, things no that, one didn't knew. Make, <laughs> that didn't make logical sense. Like I, there were times that I have sat by my patient's bed, my whole shift to keep the doctor from convincing her to, to have a cesarean, me knowing he just wants to go home and it's not best for her. This is a major abdominal surgery. So I learned different things and I've continued to educate myself and learn the facts. But honestly, I mean, I feel like it's just some of this is just common sense that if we really just think about our bodies and I mean, think about, animals who give birth. I mean, we're, we're mammals. You don't ever see an animal roll over on its back and like put its air its legs up on the table. Like, you know, like they, <laughs> they figure out, they listen to its their body, you know, and all of that, again, like you were saying, no negativity in your room, like no bad attitudes. Animals also find a dark place that they feel safe in. And, you know, things like Comments that are negative, that's not safe for a woman. Bright lights, people coming in and out. And, you know, all of those things are just not conducive to a good birth experience. So it makes so much sense that our cesarean
0: rates are so high. Um, I would venture to say that it would be great to feel like a birth queen, even during a C-section that, you know, I had three C-sections. I, on the, on the one hand, I'm like, I don't care how my babies got here. They're healthy and they're in my arms now and I'm recovered, thankfully. And at the end of the day, I don't want to look back and have regret. But at the same time, I learned over the course of those three C-sections that there were things I could control within that. Mm -hmm. OR that I didn't realize I could control. And that's where I think the positivity, no matter what the situation, matters. I agree. I also have a a scheduled
1: cesarean course. And here's the thing. Mm -hmm. And I tell my girls, I'm not knocking epidurals. I'm not knocking unmedicated birth. I'm not knocking cesareans. What I'm knocking is women having choices made for them and not given all the information so that they can make an informed choice because it is a major abdominal surgery. You know, it is if, if they're doing something like an internal monitor on your baby, you should understand all aspects of it. So I teach my girls to ask clarifying questions, to ask for alternatives, and then to ask if they have time to make a decision. Because in that moment, when you're, you know, when doctors say something like, you know, you really need to go back to the OR because it's going to be dangerous for your baby. Like, we'll ask them, well, do I have time to think about it? And then weigh the options, then respond to them. You know, I'll that's an excellent
3: piece of advice. I think
0: having a, a partner who, whether that's, a spouse of a partner or a, a, a midwife sister, or a doula, a mom, someone, someone to advocate on your behalf, yeah. because when oh. you were in that situation, if you're in labor, if you're, if you have a, I had, I actually had three scheduled C-sections that I won't get into the why of, but even that was like nerve wracking. And so I think that sometimes when you're in that position, you just need someone advocating on yeah. your behalf. So if you've done the work ahead of time and you go, I'm educated, here's what I want. And you make sure to impart that same information right. and education on the person advocating on your behalf, then you've got this like team behind you already. Oh,
1: absolutely. We we also encourage the coaches, whoever the coach is to do the courses with them. And then we have a separate mini course just for the coach because you're 100% right. And on top of that, mom's going to feel even less in control if the doctor is pushing their agenda and your coach is not educated or empowered. And then they're like, well, the what doctor do. knows better. And so I've had, I've had two or three situations where moms have come back. One of my students was a VBAC student and her doctor came in, her labor was progressing fine, but slow. And her doctor comes in and starts saying, you know, I really think we should consider a cesarean. I I think your pelvis is too small, which I definitely prepare my girls for that one. And, um, she said, well, we need time to think. And he left the room and her husband leaned in and said, Maddie, we're going to have this birth the way you want. You've worked hard. She had the baby like 20 minutes later. Wow. Definitely. And awesome. if she if they had not had that education, she could have been very well completely numb and getting cut open when she could have been delivering. So, I think that's the one thing that I want women to know. Like you guys have like I like like someone I did an interview on Instagram with one of my students and she said it perfectly. Like I lay out the smorgasbord of choices and options and why we do it why this is necessary, when it's necessary, why it might be out of convenience or curiosity, which I don't encourage at all. And then I lay it all out and let them pick what they want for their birth. That's like an if-then birth plan, which makes so
0: much more sense. We had this, we had this, um, this. that's right. We had a, um, an episode called best laid birth plans, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you can appreciate because it's usually not going to go exactly the way you want it to, but having an if-then plan. And really doing the research ahead of time, right? Is that what you yes. think is? Is it really about mindset and like just, I mean, it sounds like it's like and surrounding knowledge. yourself with people like you? Yep,
1: knowledge. One of my favorite things to teach is their mindset on the pain of labor. Um, That's like probably my most popular like class. That that would be a
0: great chat. Well, is it like, I always think when I think about pain and this might be the totally wrong thing you're talking about, but not the thing you're talking about. But I always think that productive pain is different than like I'm breaking something with this pain or like. No, that's exactly
1: what I teach them.
0: Actually, I teach them that labor pain is not suffering.
1: It's productive pain that brings you to a goal. Yeah, And pain is a signal that something's going wrong. But with labor, it's a signal that everything's going right. And so that's one thing I really try to get them to embrace that. The other thing that's if you can get your mindset right, oxytocin is what basically causes the pain to increase, but oxytocin is also the love hormone. So yeah. if you can get your mindset in a right place, you can actually feel euphoric during labor. And my sister heard that. my but, sister told yeah. me
2: that she actually like got turned on one time. During well there labor, is such a yeah. thing as an yeah, That is love hormone. Right? Yeah. Oh, my oh God.
1: it's so funny to me too. I wish that it were legal for me to record women giving birth because so sounds funny. when you're sitting at the nurse's station, it sounds just like sex. <laughs> I bet <laughs> it does. It sounds just like sex, the, totally. oh, the moaning, all of it. And so there is a connection with that, obviously. There so, was a
2: lady in the room next to me when, when I first went in, I was induced And I heard her screaming. They were like, oh, she's been in here for like 12 hours. And she was screaming. And I looked at my husband. I was like, I am not going to scream like that. Oh, I screamed. (laughs) I definitely screamed like that.
1: (laughs) There was no. And that's the other thing, not making like whatever noise. It's primal. Birth is primal. So whatever noise you need to make. Make it. I'm pretty okay. sure. Again, at one point, I was doing oh. during sex. <laughs> one time we at the nurses' station. Like we were, we did like sex sounds like on our phone and then listening. And 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 it's the same. Like women will be like, "Oh God, oh God, oh God," you know. Like <laughs> like say things that sound just like sex,
0: and it, it oh there's a God, connection. There, you know? that's awesome. There's a
1: there's a lot of connections too about um you know like relaxing your face, laughter, all of that can help open up your cervix. So like the perspective. Can help open on up your cervix. That's what's happening.
0: Yeah. 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 I really believe that, like, just like turning fear into like, I'm not scared, I'm excited. Like, right, exactly. yeah. yeah, so interesting. Well, and and the thing about
1: like knowledge and understanding what is going to happen to you and feeling safe and not afraid, because what happens when you're fearful is your body re- releases adrenaline. Well, adrenaline is like the arch enemy of oxytocin. So it's proven that it can stall your labor, it can halt your labor. So no wonder when women are being, are negativities being brought into the room and things that are scary are being said that now they're not progressing. Then they go back to the OR because they're not progressing. When maybe if we turn their lights off. That's like during them, sex
0: too. If they just, right. they just need a little foreplay to get the no, baby out.
1: No, I tell that to my girls. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, can you imagine if you were going to have an orgasm, right? Which you need to feel safe. You need to feel Respected, you need to feel honored like you're a queen, right? Yeah. Well, can you imagine if a whole team comes in and they shine the lights of God on your (laughs) vagina and then expect you to have an orgasm? (laughs) It's not going to happen. Oh my gosh. So it's just there is a lot of connection between that. So, like, just respecting that, like, when your lights are dim, you release melatonin. Well, melatonin works with oxytocin. So, why do we have spotlights in our labor rooms, you know? Right.
0: Oh my gosh. And And then you're like, everyone's looking at all of my stuff under this bright light. Yeah. And your legs are up in the air with the light of God on it. We have like, instead of stirrups, just have like, Feathers wrapped around, yeah. like
2: feathers. <laughs> well, how about just, just, just
0: not having to put your feet in stirrups? That's even That's better. You know do. what? Like, we definitely establish you do not need to be on your back. They gave me this, like. Unless you want to be. Unless you, know you want crazy? to be. know what's crazy? Is it's like it in the way, like there's so much, there's so much comparison with sex. It's like, no girl, you get in charge here. Do yeah. not have to lay on your back and have things Do it however to you want. Unless you Make want it to happen, be on it. your back, they gave me this a hundred percent. Which I'm yeah. not saying I don't like being on my back. Yeah, for sex. Well, and that's Casally. what I tell my girls. I'm like, whatever's working for your body, listen to your
1: body. Learn to listen to your body. I had a student who was unmedicated. The baby is coming. She is spontaneously pushing. The provider comes in and was like, Oh, good job. Let's get you in the stirrups, gets her in the stirrups. She ends up with a third degree tear. Imagine Mm. if they would have just let her listen to her body. Like, why did they have to roll her on her back? The baby was coming. Isn't that the point? Yeah. It's all for them because then they can have their workspace. And, and I, I teach my students too like, we all like our workspace a certain way. That's our preference. But that doesn't mean you have to have the work, you know?
0: So it's mama's workspace, right? Yeah. It be her right. workspace in that moment.
1: And sometimes all it takes is for a knowledgeable mama to say no or to question like most of the time when my students are like, like, you know, for instance, we're going to induce you at 40 weeks because we don't we don't go past 40 weeks. Oh, well, you know, I've been doing some education and and I feel like I want, you know, I want to go to 42 weeks. And then they're like, oh, okay. You know, it may yeah. not even create the battle you're expecting just by right. speaking up.
3: Yeah, we, we hear you have a book coming out in the next year.
1: Hopefully, yes, that's a goal. So it's all about mindset and preventing birth trauma and owning your birth story so that they love it, no matter how it is, whatever choice oh, they choose, awesome. whether it's if they choose that a cesarean is best for them, then they own it. And like you said, don't have a regret from it because mm-hmm. birth trauma is not about a catastrophic event. Right. Most of the time, most of the time, it's simply just someone's power being taken from them. And so um, that I is just, so powerful. It is. Yeah. So I'm just trying to encourage women that their mindset matters. I mean, I think it matters in all areas of life, which I'm sure. I mean, I try to tell my girls birth is just an example of what parenting will be like. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Ugh. and uh, and also I wanted to say, like, what I teach my girls is it's a birth map. So just like if you are headed to this incredible vacation and you're driving and you, your end goal is to get to the vacation, right, to get to that place. If you come to a roadblock, you just pick an, another way to get to that place. You wouldn't be like, oh, well, I'm going home. I'm not having this vacation. So the end goal is a healthy baby and a healthy mom. But you need to know the side roads. You need to know which ways you can go if your route doesn't quite get you there.
0: You know, I think we need so. maps and crowns. Ooh, it's yeah. always I, I birth would queens. Love man.
2: to wear a crown. Can we my can we you normalize crowns your next, while you're giving birth? I just, just said birth? my next birth. I just
1: <laughs> yes. said my a red hair. carpet. That's... Have a red carpet going into your birth <laughs> suite. I love yes. that. I love
3: and then that. you're like, Cosmos. here's my birth story. Hospitals would do well yeah. to
1: Pink listen to this.
3: Carpet. No kidding. Exactly right. If they
0: get have like, yeah, you know what? Empowering these moms who are going in and about to experience this life changing thing. Birth queens. Birth queens. I think that's going to be the name of this episode. How to be a birth queen. I love yeah,
1: it. I like it too. Cause they should feel empowered. I mean, they're giving birth, they're giving life. Like it should be celebrated
2: and there should be boundaries around their birth that they put in place. Well, this is the first time I've ever admitted, uh, that I want to get pregnant again. I know. I, I just, that. Said, oh, it's, it's, by, it's by the way, m-
3: might I just say to her point, if, if I had had a VBAC with Charlie uh-huh. and consequently two other vaginal deliveries, I could be your surrogate.
2: Oh my god. Think gosh. about that true. I so I I've been pregnant seven times. I've had one full term pregnancy and my last pregnancy was very traumatic for me. Um, it was ectopic and I had emergency mm. surgery. And I'm just uh, I'm still healing from the trauma of that. And I was like, I don't think I can go get pregnant again. Cause I don't want another loss. And I, I swear just she your just positive that. energy. I heard it. That was the first time you I said, like, and then I said experience. it and I was like, I've never said that out loud. Cause I've been so like, I think I'm done, not done having kids, but done just Using trying to get pregnant her, myself. You know, I've down. been yeah. wanting a surrogate. No
1: losses can really, I mean, I had three losses before I had Grayson and um, I had five pregnancies successful before the losses. And those three losses threw me for a loop. Yeah,
2: yeah It's,
1: it's hard. hard. And it brings so much fear into your pregnancy, even if it's a viable pregnancy. Like PTSD. Yeah. 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 No, it, it is hard, but I have, I would encourage you, like, I know there's so much they can do now. Um, Like a lot of lab work to, did they ever figure out what was going on?
2: I have factor five. Um, yeah, me too. And I also have pulmonary hypertension. And so my body, they were saying I basically just like reject pregnancies, but I was actually going to go and it's not legal in the States, which makes it sound super shady, but it's not. I was going to go and get immunotherapy where they take uh, like my husband's white blood cells and they graph them under me so that like mm. I basically adapt to them and I don't reject, reject them. Reject the baby. Yeah.
3: Sort of like what I, I mean. You.
2: I think it's worth a shot if that yeah. and so, for I th- sure. yeah, I think, um, yeah, that was what we were going to do before we had Loxley and then we had a surprise pregnancy. And why am I even talking about this? Is the first time you're this is therapy. ever even like, it. oh my gosh, <laughs> this is the first time I've ever been like, oh, maybe I want okay to try You hear it. Yeah. yeah, you One know, minute. you know, when you were talking, I was like, because my husband, he he's a great that's dad, true. great husband, he was a Terrible birth coach partner. He was I, I, awful. I second that. He was, <laughs> he was also <laughs> a terrible, t- I, I up, see he them. terrible communicator. I kicked him out of the room twice. <laughs> well, you know what? And I think that's important.
1: Understanding that because and then being OK with choosing a different person to be your main coach. Mm. Your yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think a lot yeah. of moms feel obligated that it needs to be their spouse, but their he spouse isn't even supported. In other areas,
3: there, yeah. he just doesn't necessarily. Yeah, and I will birth That's coach true. you. Hey, oh my god, can god. I have I two? Know.
0: Can I have two? I am very nice. After <laughs> do really. live stream this, just not wait. Not with my, oh my people, not. people. I will throw down for you, Caleb. <laughs> yep. do, do
2: the sensor. You are going to do it live and just put a sensor <laughs> over my vagina. <laughs> I am not going to go live.
0: To you, <laughs>
2: yes, <I laughs> well, I'd that well. go live. That's why she would go live. Jen would go live.
3: That's all right. <laughs> Kayla put my boobs on TikTok. No, last you night.
2: put your own boobs on TikTok. Nice. I, it. I have
3: haven't even seen it? seen it. No, oh yeah. No. We had a really good episode, I think, on postpartum anxiety last week. Mm. Um, and it would have been really great to be able to talk to someone who. Understands the postpartum process and and every all of the hormones and the and it also has also right. gone all through it. it. It's like yeah. we're
0: just moms having mom conversations, yeah. But sometimes yeah. the extent of our knowledge doesn't go as far as our listeners needed to. Right, right. Yeah, I feel so, good after this episode.
1: I love this episode. <laughs> I, love this episode. I love yeah. And it's so crazy to me what we expect from new moms, especially moms who have had a cesarean or a traumatic event during their birth i mean there's no other time that you would have a major surgery and go home and be responsible for another person a new fragile
0: human being yeah like it's just crazy what we expect out of uh and then we feel guilt then we feel bad about feeling bad Mm -hmm. you know it's like i need to pick myself up i need to have a better attitude i need to not be tired i need to not be sad. i need to get this done
1: i need to get that done and like just That's one thing we try to, again, I have another mini course on postpartum because I feel like that is often overlooked and there's a lot you can do during pregnancy to prepare for postpartum because I think that coping is for all of us during a life changing event. If we have things prepared, if we have things ready, if we have things handy, you know, for mom and have help, I think that's where our culture in particular really fails in most other countries and cultures. Women come alongside women and it's like they, you know, they really take care of mom and baby, not just baby.
0: You know, yeah, so it's right. it all about
1: more. the baby. Mm-hmm. Something that's getting gaining some movement that I love is postpartum doulas. So a friend of mine, think, yeah. our friend Hayden,
0: who was on she the has, podcast, mm-hmm. she swore by her postpartum doula. And I think it, she just, she would come over and like do this massage and this, it, she just loved it and raved. Oh, I think about I need one of those. <laughs> i we'll like years later, seven, But uh, I'd love to have to, a postpartum we've, yeah. we've talked a lot about how we just need nannies for ourselves, but yeah. also masseuses. Yeah. That oh, yes. great! Yeah. Staff masseuse. That'd be great.
1: Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that, <laughs> Trish. Thank
3: you so much for joining us. We're definitely going to so have much. you back. And everybody, co- go follow Trish Ware at labor.nurse.mama on IG. And is your handle the same everywhere else?
1: Pretty much. It's Labor okay. Nurse Mama or you know, on Instagram, labor.nurse.mama.
0: Yeah. Obviously there's so yeah. much to dig into there with your guides and courses and and a, and a book hopefully soon. Um, and thank you for what you're doing for women like us who need to hear what you're telling us. Yeah. It, it It hits home, I think, for all three of us. And so I know it'll be the same for everybody listening. So thank you for doing what you do so passionately and spreading that very important message to us mamas.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me
2: on.
0: We will have you back. Yeah, definitely.
3: Your name is Mom.